Always in motion is the future, and many possible futures there are. It's every citizen's duty to challenge their leaders. I want you to burn down this warehouse. Excuse me? But there's evidence. Burn it down, or I'll consider you a part of this conspiracy, Captain. Welcome to the Star Wars Brothers Podcast. I'm Cliff Boyd, and I'm here with John Boyd. Hey! And Drew Shepard. Hey, hey. All right, who's starting this week? Oh, well, since I had such a terrible joke last week, I'll start this week with my... Um, it's probably equally as bad, but I'll make a, I'll make a pass at it, and we'll see. So... How do Tuscan Raiders cheat on their taxes? I don't know. They always single file to hide their numbers. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. Is that what Tuscan Raiders do? They walk single file? I guess they yeah. do in the movie. They're always in like a line, right? But is that like a Tuscan Raider thing or does that just happen to be how they are in the original films? No, I'm pretty sure Obi Wan when they're uh, when they're looking at some uh, uh, damage the stormtroopers had done uh, mentions that it couldn't be Tuscan Raiders. It's not single file or something. Oh, like that's that. right, because the stormtroopers were like in a row, yeah, right in two rows or something. Huh. The thing is, though, like when you when you see the stormtroopers roaming around the desert, they're never walking in like a line. They're just kind of on. They're their just kind of out there looking around. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, did y'all ever play the uh, the Knights of the Old Republic game? John, well, I know you haven't, Drew. John, have you played the Knights of the Old Republic game? Just just a little bit when I had it oh, on uh, okay. an Xbox version for Xbox 360, I think. Okay. You actually go to Tatooine in that game and go to a Tusken Raider camp and like interact with them. So, pretty weird. Learn a little hmm. bit about their, their aggressive war centric culture. I don't remember that much about it. They're an ancient people, I guess. Uh, so why does Leia have such a hard time finding love? Because she's looking for it in all the wrong places. In Alderaan places. Alderaan. <laughs> Alderaan. <laughs> Which is appropriate, right? Because this week we have an Alderaan moment at one point. And she kissed her brother, so... Oh, very, it's a very wrong place. Very wrong place. <laughs> All the wrong places. <laughs> but she wasn't really like into him. She was really into Han the whole time. Just messing. She deep down, she knew it was her brother. Didn't <laughs> 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 uh, know what she great. says. I know. Yeah. Deep down, I've always, I've always known. <laughs> like whoa. Oh. Well, I didn't know. Can you explain this, please? (laughs) Our lips meshed so perfectly. Too perfectly, in fact. (laughs) (laughs) Now, she was into Han the whole time. She was just playing games. What a game to play. (laughs) I don't know. It doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. You can see that in the the sequel trilogy. All right, ready? So, my joke. Which program did Jedi use <laughs> to open PDF files? I'm trying to figure it out, but I can't come up with anything. <laughs> it's Adobe One Kenobi. Oh, oh no. 
that's horrible. But it's okay. great. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's good. It's good. These are like almost as bad as Laffy Taffy jokes. Not not as bad though. Laffy Tabby jokes are bad. I hate Laffy Tabby jokes. They just make me cringe. <laughs> I I, the cornier, the better for me. So I. All right. We're going to talk about uh, three episodes. We were going to do four this week, but we all kind of, I think, dragged our feet a little bit on getting them watched <laughs> in time. <laughs> um, I didn't end up getting four watched, but we'll save that fourth one for next week. And, and uh, we might just do a, a lighter load the next two weeks as well from what we talked about. We'll talk about it at the end of the episode. But the first arc is two episodes long. And so we'll start there. And then the next arc will be one episode long. So in this arc, we basically find out that the war has negatively affected the Mandalorian economy. Apparently, the, lore is, the, the war is having negative effects all throughout the galaxy. And so even though Mandalore has remained neutral their economy is being affected negatively and there's a lot of smuggling and things that are going on as a result. So basically Padme shows up, apparently her and Satine are, are good buds and have been for a long time. So Padme shows up and basically promises that she's going to try to help get the Senate to provide aid and that she thinks the Senate will, will try to help uh, Mandalore through their economic crisis that they're going through. And while all that's happening, we find out that there's these, smugglers who are bribing some of the locals and bringing in a chemical substance, a toxic chemical substance that they are using to dilute what is essentially the, uh, I kind of got the gist that it's like the Lipton tea of the planet, the, <laughs> the plastic bottle of tea that is, is sold throughout the planet. They dilute it with this toxic chemical and it ends up making a bunch of kids sick in this uh, elementary school. So Padme and Satine team up. They go investigate. They figure out who it is. There's a gunfight. Padme saves the day. And that's pretty much the episode. The next episode starts with Ahsoka being brought to Mandalore to basically be a tutor for some of the kids that are there. She didn't really want to do it, but, um, but she, she, she stays. Anakin heads off. And I don't know, this is war thing. It's, it's kind of confused me about it. Like, why are they bringing, why are they going to cover this planet? But they're like, no, we need Anakin for the war effort. But I guess because she's still a, a, a Padawan in training, they try to give her diverse experiences. And so part of that is taking a break from the war, I suppose, being that she is, what, 14 years old still. And she basically serves as sort of a mentor and a tutor, or a teacher, just a straight up teacher for these kids. And she teaches them to question authority. She's like, don't believe things that your superiors say. You need to go find out for yourself. And if you don't take action, then a lot of corruption and bad things can happen. So four of these kids take that to heart. Their names are Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Ginny. And <laughs> no, I don't remember their names. But one of them is the nephew of a uh, of, of Satine, of the senator. Anyway, he's sort of, I guess, the ringleader of their little crew. And not not in a bad way. They're good kids. They're like well-behaved kids. But they break into this factory and they find out that there's this plot to overthrow the government. They get a recording of that. I think it's to overthrow the government. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. But they find out there's some bad stuff going on. They get it recorded, but then one of them drops their iPad. And so they have to book it. They get away. 
but the bad guys have the iPad and they figure out who it is. And uh, they go and tell Satine and they tell Ahsoka about it. But the prime minister ends up contacting them and basically saying, Hey, I, I heard you, you found out about something and I want, I want to know what's going on. And I want everybody who knows anything about it to meet me at this place at this time. And so they go and show up, but it turns out that the prime minister is himself uh, the leader of the plot to overthrow Satine and her rule. So Ahsoka actually comes along on that and uh, we find out that that they've also gone and captured Satine. I may be getting some of the details a little bit next year, but they basically captured Satine as well because he find it, finds out that she, that the kids told Satine about it. And so she's in this holding cell and Ahsoka basically shows up, pretends like she's turning in the kids in a plot to overthrow the prime, for being involved in a plot to overthrow the prime minister. But then she ends up kicking some butt, uh, basically saving the day single-handedly. Well, not single-handedly. The kids kind of flail their bodies around and somehow take out all the guards that are holding them as well. <laughs> but uh, but then um, the prime minister gets captured. And that's uh, I think that's pretty much it for the episode. They, they overthrow the plot and, and everything's okay after that. All right. So let's get some get some impressions, guys. So, not my favorite. Uh, let me just go ahead and start off that way. Um, kind of, uh, uh, I try try to. Maybe I'm too critical, um, but a lot of the little little uh, things that happened in this one bothered me. Uh, like, no, no, um, is is a uh, no, protective no, of the <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, is as protective of the Mandalorians were of, and they even even mentioned it of the training of these kids uh, to let this kid Jedi come in and, and teach without like snooping in on the class. And she's all like, Hey kids stay woke. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's <laughs> like, uh, it, it didn't, it wasn't believable enough for me uh, from that aspect. Now I get that uh, Satine was kind of probably pulling some strings here too, uh, to get her, to get her in there and, and get everybody to accept it. Um, but it, it just kind of fell flat for me. The whole plot, uh, it's hard to get really invested in it for me. Um, so I don't know, just, I don't know that was a lot all at once, but no, it kind of fell flat. No, I, I agree with you there. It, it seems like the purpose to me of these episodes was to maybe lay some groundwork for, uh, you know, regarding the planet Mandalore, it, its current issues, and we're just trying to get us to invest in it. But it didn't really build on anything critical, I didn't think, especially the second episode. Honestly, I could have completely done without that second episode and been totally fine. <laughs> the first one, it not that the first one was great. I mean, it was not like A++ material by any means, but... There were definitely moments, though, that I had fun. I had a lot of fun moments with the first episode. Uh, I think my favorite one was when Satine is interviewing the the customs boss after they've seen the uh, the bribery taking place on the docks when they're going all Columbo or um, you know Sherlock insert whatever your favorite detective is there. Why is the queen doing that? That's another great question, you know. Um, but 
when uh, the customs boss is like, what you're saying is impossible. Bribery of a customs official? I'm afraid not. And I'm just laughing. I was like, yeah, because bribery is that hard of a concept to imagine in government, right? Like, no, no, it never happens. Bribery? Like, we're not talking time travel or antimatter conversion here. Like, no, this is very possible. <laughs> so there were just, I mean, I had fun with the first one, but it, you're right, John. I don't think it really did anything to, to build that much um, on the series as a whole. No, no, I, I, like you said, there were some moments I had fun with that I liked. Um, I, I did like the uh, the gun battle with the shields and stuff uh, that they almost were in like uh, like SWAT team, uh, you know, outfits and in charging the uh, uh, the customs area. Um, but then the whole like the burn the whole. I don't remember if it's first or second. Um, with Padme, but, uh, Padme saves the day. Padme was there. Yep, Padme uh, shot her, got the gun, and and helped save the day there. And um, and I and I liked all that. I thought that was kind of kind of cool. I like seeing the different uh, styles of fighting. Um, uh, but then again, uh, burn the warehouse down. Yeah, what was um, that? that was ridiculous. Oh, why not so just drain the poison is. out? And <laughs> <Just> burn it. <laughs> Makes no sense. And then yeah. the the guy was like, "But there's evidence, like absolutely, <laughs> like." <laughs> and she's like, "I don't care, burn it down." Uh, I think she just hadn't seen them use the flame flamethrowers in a while, and was like, <laughs> "Fire them up, guys, burn it down." Crazy. One of the other fun things I found in, in both of these, actually, there were different degrees, but varying degrees of child neglect slash abuse i mean when the the superintendent of all people is in the lunchroom and they're like oh we'll check out the sports drinks and he literally just takes the kid's drink <laughs> and he's like that. i'm taking this i'm like there's no explanation <laughs> the kid's there's, like what <laughs> what he's like you're taking my gatorade you know whatever and, and then in the second episode when the kids are like surrounded by those bodyguard dudes that first kid took like a shield to the face <laughs> <laughs> like what is this so uh i'm just like okay we're we are bashing the children this episode clearly mandalorian mandalorian children like they do not respect authority apparently so we're gonna bash it into <laughs> so so yeah, good point so the whole smuggling in of the uh the green stuff that was uh to to basically cut this gatorade um my thing is like, could they have used water to cut it and, and make more of a profit? Uh, was it like corn syrup? And so too much corn syrup is hurting these kids. And, and so my thing is why, why use such a toxic thing unless it was absolutely just to poison children? Uh, and that's where I'm wondering, okay, was this episode again laying some groundwork for, uh, for something more we're going to see about Mandalore in the future? Mm. I got the indication that it was just they were trying to emphasize corporate greed there, that they were just trying to say, hey, this particular dilutant will not change the taste. If you just put water, like if you said Coca-Cola and you put water into it, like that's not going to work. Not just because it is like it's just going to taste taste different and taste bad. But somehow this this substance 
I think was meant to like preserve the integrity of the taste while, um, you know, making a, a little bit go a lot further. So I got hey. the, the indication that it was just corporate greed. But and this is me looking way too into it. And I admit it up front. Um, but what is this stuff made of then? Like if you're saying that a sports drink costs so much money to produce that you have to sit, you know, stick this poison in it so you can raise your cost. I'm like, how much is one of these bottles costing? Like, what is in this stuff? Like liquid gold for you to say it's worth that much, you know, for us to be able to say, oh, we can really save some serious dough here if we no, cut I out think, part Gatorade. <laughs> I think the episode does speak to that, though, because I think you were supposed to get the indication that this stuff isn't local. This is an import, right? like it's a yeah. tea import it's like when it's like when early america they're importing tea from england and it's really expensive right okay british okay, keep taxing it they end up having that. to dump it into the into the bay and, and whatever so it's it's uh i think it's the idea is that this is this is stuff is not cheap but if we dilute it then even though we can only bring this amount we're, we'll still have a lot to sell so and there's some wealthy well, kids and, you know the, yeah that, that's my thing so so, so they were talking about the concern for the children and how we have to, to save our children because they're our future. And I'm like, well, we've obviously got them addicted to some kind of sports drink that is uh, that, that we're not willing to give up, even though there might be some poison in it. No, um, sure. but I, I guess we burn the warehouse and that solves it all. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, again, I, I try not to be too critical, but. Uh, those those things bothered me in this episode quite a bit. Given One our past with the, history with um, when we talked about uh, spice before, when they right. first started the first episode, they're like, "Yeah, we can put in the tea." I was like, "Oh, is this another drug we're going to learn about? <laughs> the tea, the spice." <laughs> so one of the things that that made, it's not really about this episode, but just sort of reminded me of a feeling that I had. Uh, it's very uninteresting to me, this idea of corporate greed and Star Wars exploring corporate greed, you know, and and it's a, it's just that's not what I want to see. I want to see droids fighting clones. You know, I don't want to see a, a corporate greed plot on Mandalore. It's just kind of boring. And I actually remember, uh, you, know, you know, you guys know I love episode one. But one of the things that always like confused me when I was a kid, I got it later on. But as a kid, I was like, the Trade Federation, like. They're the bad guys. That's lame. Like, <laughs> what do you mean the trade federation? You know, it's one thing when it's like the imperial armies, right? But it's another thing when it's just the guys that, that do trade, you know? <laughs> like, why are they the bad? It's just never, never quite fit in my mind. Like, I never quite figured out, like, wait a minute, who's bad and why are they bad and what's going on here? So I remember that being a little bit of a disconnect. And it seems like, uh, uh, seems like that, that, it just, I, I guess, whatever in this episode with the corporations being the corrupt antagonists here kind of reminded me of the Trade Federation. There was something that was said in one of the episodes that was like, oh, well, money is the um, the the worst weapon of all or something like that. That, you know, um, that, that stood out to me as well. But. Well, and, and I think we see that is a uh, is a theme in multiple Star Wars, though, uh, where. Uh, where you know the, the the businesses are evil, um, and uh, I just drew a blank here. 
Uh, oh, okay. So in the uh, in the new ones, uh, the uh, yeah, the the rich place where all the gamblers are. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. As a right. kid, with you know, and and it's always those those money making things, which that that was a little different because it was people selling to the uh, rebellion and the uh, first order. Uh, but you see that a lot in in sure. Star Wars, where uh, it's it's money is really running a lot of uh, evil. Um, Crimson Dawn, I think, you know, that was all a lot about money in, uh, um, so I think that is a, a, a common theme. Yeah, that makes sense. What'd you guys think about the aliens and their, or the, uh, Egyptian aliens and their goat servants? I, I, my favorite, one of, one, one of the servants ever. literally said, <laughs> one of the servants <laughs> literally said, it's <laughs> like they have these goat horns when he goes Mah. I was like what in the world uh, they were like they're, they're little slave goats um, and they were definitely Egyptians like they had Egyptian yeah. pharaoh hats on it was very very silly and actually after I noticed that they were just like okay they're just Egyptians like there's no creativity here it's just let's stick an Egyptian hat on a generic looking alien um the I noticed that the Mandalorians almost had sort of a Greek feel to. Did y'all notice that sort of a Greek uh, aesthetic with the way that their faces were and their beards and um, and all of that? I don't know. I was just getting some vibes of of like a Greek type culture with maybe Satine being in sort of like the Caesar type role, and then the, there's the council. Of course, they had they called him a prime minister, so the government structure wasn't exactly the same. But I don't know. I was just getting Greek vibes from him. After I noticed the Egyptians, so so what is man? So another they, uh, go. Well, just, um, is, is Mandalore a monarchy? Is that what we're led to believe? Like a constitutional type monarchy? Is that the impression? With the since there's a prime minister, I don't know. And what exactly? Is, what is Satine? Because she was she was higher than the prime minister, right? Right, right. It's kind of like a a, a pseudo monarchy. Although yeah, England has a prime minister and a monarch right like similar to england there's a queen but there's also the prime minister yeah because the the queen really has no true power in england yeah but, i don't I actually don't have any idea how it but works in the first episode they said something she said something to the prime minister and he said oh well i'll have to go discuss this with my cabinet you know before we can take action or in order mm-hmm. to start taking action so i'm like but if you're okay so you're the queen so you clearly doesn't seem like she has the power to do it so i just that was something i thought was interesting yeah well, she can definitely come in an executive order right mm-hmm. yeah yeah so so i did uh, uh I, I did get excited when i saw that satine was going to be in there and that it was going to yeah. be on the war because yeah uh, because i really liked the interactions we saw before with obi-wan and satine and uh, the character development they put in there i thought she was a cool character um, and so that may have been part of why I was like, uh, you know, this is kind of a bummer, uh, cause right. it wasn't living up to what I was excited about within the first 30 seconds. It didn't make me like Satine less. It just didn't do anything to make me like her more. Um, and, and that's kind of how I felt about all of it. I just felt very, it's kind of like you said, Drew, nothing really happened here. Nothing was really accomplished. It just, it was almost like a filler episode sort of a little bit um and i'm not sure i'm not quite sure what overall purpose it served and john you mentioned that battle i actually didn't like the scene where padme jumped in and saved the day i thought it was kind of silly you have like all these skilled warriors and then all of a sudden she's like oh i got this 
and pops in and just like nails everybody in one shot. It's like, who is this? This isn't this isn't so Oba Fett. This is Padme. You know, and I get right. that she has some skill and we can see that. And like episode two, she does some pretty cool stuff uh, when she's trapped in that arena with Anakin and Obi-Wan. So she's not helpless, but she's also not like this skilled marksman expert warrior. And I felt like she was a little bit too heroic in this episode. So I, I agree. And and that is not the part of the battle I liked. I liked where they kind of like linked shields and charged oh, okay. in. And it was almost like SWAT-like feeling. Where hey this is uh, you know this is their type of training this is their uh, their well, what those type of guys are meant for um, and so that's what I uh, what I liked about it not necessarily her uh, saving the day um, yeah and then that second episode yeah it's like you say Drew just just erase it it was bad I did get a little bit of like a like a cheap low quality Harry Potter vibe from the, from the kids that were sneaking off and getting into trouble. <laughs> That's sort of related to, um, but I just didn't like very much at all about this episode. I thought it was, was, was just silly. The, the lessons that she was teaching, the kids were dumb and their questions were so dumb. Like I was like, what we asking? Like, do you mean to say that officials can be corrupted by greed? Yes, they can. It's like, oh, what are you doing? This is not a real question. This is not a real, this is a horribly written episode. So I don't know if you're it, but they didn't do a very good job uh, this time. Um, bad fight scenes. Honestly, I thought the fight scenes in this one were pretty stupid too. I, I got excited. Like, I was, oh, okay, they're about to start fighting. Ahsoka's going to kick some butt and do some really cool stuff. But, you know, they took her lightsaber away for the episode and, and it just, none of it looked very good. And honestly, that last fight scene just, like it was going downhill for me throughout that episode. And then we hit that fight scene and they're all tied up. <laughs> You've got all these like armed expertly trained guards uh, that are, that are leading this, this nefarious plot. Uh, they have the upper hand in every sense of the word. Everybody's tied up. And sometimes somehow they just beat them by kind of ramming their bodies against them. <laughs> just I'll take out the guards. There's the sign. Like it's nothing. <laughs> like it's nothing. It was so stupid. Such a stupid fight scene. Uh, I did think maybe the one moment that I thought was kind of cool was at the very end. They've already won. They shouldn't have won, but they've already won. And Ahsoka's like, "Put the shock collar on him now," and just shocks him for no reason. <laughs> I was like, "All right, she is learning from Anakin." I think that's what we were supposed to get out of that. So yeah, that's that's what I thought. But also, she shocked him, and then he called his guards off. They were still okay. yeah. ready to attack, and then he's like, "No, stop!" Yeah. I guess they yeah. weren't gonna gonna listen unless that uh, that shock collar was on there. Maybe so. Maybe so. Still, I just thought it was I thought it was a little bit of a moment for her that was yeah you you shouldn't have done that. That's that's a Sith move right there. So. I was really hoping they were going to throw in like a dog reference, like no treats for you or something. I mean, <laughs> that, that would fit Ahsoka's character for sure. Yeah. I mean, the he smart Alec does. that Anakin has taught her to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see Well, just it. the cheesiness of it, you know, yeah. she's going to make it out like it's a dog collar. Like, okay. So, okay. All right. There's no dogs on man. So who are we kidding? So why, why did she not really give any attention to the kids? When they told her about the plot, I know she said she couldn't trust people, but she literally was just like, all right, get out of the room. Well, didn't she follow him though? And like save the day after that, she kind of, she just, she just sent him out. 
She just made them leave. Really? See, I felt like and then because then they said that to them. No, because see, then she then the kids went to the prime minister and was like, "We already told her." And then that's when he was like, "All right, go capture her and put her in this." Yeah, but but she followed him. She followed him to the meeting. Like she sent him out, but then she was like, "Oh, okay, something's up." And she showed up and saved them from the prime minister initially at that meeting. And then later on, she escorted him in as captors. So no, I think you're right. No, 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 yeah. no, not not oh, Satine. Satine. Oh, okay. Satine. Oh, yeah. okay. So they told Satine. Yeah, that was and a Satine. Just weird. escorted him out of the room and was like, "We'll look into it later." And yeah. Like, yeah no. That was, that was no. Why, why do that? Right. The Gatorade. I almost, no, I almost we have a recording. <laughs> Look. <laughs> There's an attempt on your life. <laughs> to it later. Another time, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just a bad episode. Bad episode. All right, let's rank it. Y'all ready to rank it? Got anything else to say? Wah, wah. <laughs> I'll go first. I'm going to give it a two for the arc. I didn't really like either episode very much. Um, but I just disliked them, honestly. Two means I disliked it. I disliked both of them. Um, like I said, it didn't make me dislike Satine. I'm glad we're getting to see more of her, and I hope we continue to get to see more of her. But I did really dislike this arc. I thought it was uh, didn't didn't do anything in a positive way. Didn't Didn't help my opinion of Mandalore at all. Didn't help my opinion of Satine or anybody else involved. Didn't help my opinion of Ahsoka. It was just a lot of stupid, you know, near cringeworthy things that took place throughout the, the whole of uh, the whole two episodes. Two out of ten. I think I think I would go with a two as well. I, and, and the only reason I don't go with one is I feel like if I rank something a one, uh, I literally just think it should not have any place in Star Wars at all. Right. Um, right. And so this is just a little above that. Yeah. Uh, and so, <laughs> so I'm at a two, I guess. I, I am at a two as well for all the exact same reasons. Um, I literally could have gone without seeing this and I would be very happy. But it laid just enough of a groundwork, I guess, to where I can say it might come in handy later on to have seen these two so all right we're going to take a quick intermission in between our two arcs that we're going to discuss this week and i would like to share some news with you guys i've actually already shared it with you but i'm going to go ahead and read it we got a review on itunes our, our first review and we actually had it the past two episodes that we recorded we actually had had it maybe even three i'm not sure We'd actually had the review and I just hadn't been checking the, re- hadn't, hadn't been checking the reviews and didn't see it. Uh, but let me pull it up here and I'll, I'll read it. Okay. The title of the review this is from Goner. Goner? G-A-U-N-N-E-R. He's, he titles this review, Lots of Fun. He says, like sitting around with a group of friends listening to their bad opinions about Star Wars. Good discussions from three guys that clearly care about the material. A plus, and we got five stars for that. We actually have two ratings. Uh, we have two five star ratings. One of those is <laughs> somebody that we know personally uh, who told us that he, he went on there and rated it. Um, I haven't I haven't yet compromised my integrity to give my own to give our own podcast a, a five star rating, but uh, but we do have two stars. So listeners, it, it's you are now listening to a five star podcast. So 
you can start bragging about that if you want. You know, that's a pretty pretty cool thing. We are a five star <laughs> podcast for now. Uh, but thanks for that review. That's pre- that's pretty cool. It's a, it's fun to see that stuff. Um, and I I I don't. He's not talking about my opinions. I don't think. Pretty sure it's you guys he's referring to here. So you know what? That, that's fine. If uh, if my opinions get us a five star rating, um, <laughs> then that's that's perfectly fine with me. Uh, and, and you know, I'm wondering did, has has a hundred percent of our listeners given us five stars? <laughs> No, we have one, I know we have one other listener. One other listener. I don't know if he's caught up or not because I haven't talked to him for a while. <laughs> the guy we just know. There's two guys we go to church with that listen to our podcast and uh, and now Gondner. Uh, and I, I, I'm probably butchering his name here. I really don't know how, how you say G-A-U-N-N-E-R, but Gondner sounds right to me. So. Oh, and the other person that wrote us that has their own YouTube channel too. That's right. Yep, yep. So and he hasn't left us a review. So... Uh, better get on that. What was it? LMS Productions? I forget. <laughs> it's not too late to redeem yourself. <laughs> All right. Um, this next arc is one episode long. And in it, we have Ahsoka getting these visions. And in these visions, she is being threatened by a familiar face, somebody that we met uh, an arc or two ago. Aura? What was her name? Aura Singh. Aura. Like A-U-R-A? That's Aura? how I would pronounce it, how it sounds like, but how it's spelled, I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess we don't know how it's spelled. Aura. Uh, what was her last name? Singh. Singh. Aura Singh. She is basically saying, I'm going to kill Padme in these visions. And she gets all these little clips of, of it taking place. And so she gets worried about it and runs to warn Padme. Um, Padme's like, eh, it's fine. And I'm just going to go on with my life uh, as normal. Um, Yoda is like, hey, this, you know, just keep in mind that, that what you're seeing is one of many possible futures. So tread carefully and then just do what you think is right about these visions. And so he kind of commends her for reaching this level of the force where she's starting to get these visions of the future. So she pursues it and basically is like, look, Padme, I'm going to come with you uh, wherever you go for a while. She goes to Alderaan for this conference. So Padme's not from Alderaan, but on, on Alderaan, she meets with Bale, uh, Organa, and with uh, what's Mon Mothma's there, and the eye patch guy from the prequels is there. And I don't know his name, but he's got that, that eye patch. Um, I know he's in that first episode. Um, he's run runs around the streets of Naboo with uh, with Padme as they're you know dealing with whatever they're dealing with at the time. I forget, but anyway, they're all there. So we see a lot of familiar faces, and basically you have Padme going and and giving a pretty meaningless speech. If you listen to the words of it, I didn't think there was anything very significant there. Uh, but this this sort of motivational speech to all these other I don't know, senators, are they senators? Maybe some of them are senators, people, administrators, government officials, I guess is the word. But during that, Aura comes in and tries to kill her and Ahsoka stops her. So they devise this plan to basically uh, pretend like it's her, but have it be a droid that's under this cloak. And then to have Padme's voice come through the droid into the microphone 
And that way Padme can be off on her own, protected somewhere else, speaking remotely into a microphone that's being broadcast to destroy that is being broadcast to the uh, assembly and ends up that Aura basically gets the better hand there and, and goes and finds Padme herself rather than going after the droid. But Ahsoka goes in and is able to, well, she, she fights her, but she didn't completely stop. She actually gets defeated by her. Uh, but then as she falls to the ground, I forget if she gets shot. I think, I think she gets shot by the, by the laser or something and it knocks her out. But in the meantime, Padme has brandished her own stun gun and takes Aura out with the stun gun. So they go back to Coruscant and investigate further and find out that the person behind the plot that hired Aura, uh, the person behind the plot on um, Padme's life is none other than Zero the Hutt. So the episode ends with him visiting Zero in his jail cell and basically saying, ha ha, we caught you. Now you have to stay in prison. Uh, okay. Zero gets mad and starts yelling at him as they leave. But uh, I get the feeling that this is not the last we're going to see of Zero. All right, so I thought this was a step up from the last arc for sure. How much remains to be seen, perhaps? But what did you guys think about about the episode as a whole? I thought it definitely had a more solid purpose than the previous arc. So clearly, to me, this one seems to be establishing the fact that Jedis are able to have visions of some kind to some degree of the future. So definitely it appears to be a stepping stone episode where they're just more noting that, Hey, this is a thing. And so I'm hoping, and I'm guessing they did this because they have something in mind where this is going to come into play more in the future um you know i know in the movies there have been a few scenes here and there where we see this or maybe it just mentioned but this episode did a really good job of going a lot more depth for how the visions work and you know maybe the consistency of them over time and so um you know i i think it's going to maybe play out in a major way in the future and that's maybe the purpose behind um, this episode so yeah i get the indication that and i think this episode is is similar in a lot of ways to some others that we've seen you know when we watched that very first arc that had the two episodes in the movie well the movie was the first thing that ever came out with the clone wars and sort of served as an introduction to the series but those two episodes tied directly in as prequels explaining things that had to do with the movie one of those was from i think season three it seems like uh, maybe not maybe it was late like late season two and then late season one but it was like the show creators felt like okay we're going to go and kind of expand on the movie because the movie's the event right that was an event that was in theaters that was a lot of people see the movie and don't see the series but uh so the movie's kind of a cool thing in some ways for, for that regard again I, I think the movie's okay but um but but i think they are still sort of drawn to go back and, and draw out connections with things that had to do with that film. And I really think that's what ha is happening with Zero's appearance here. At the end. I think they're trying to bring in some cohesion to the series and the things that took place in the movie um, because they like to emphasize the, the movie itself. But I'll tell you, I don't like Zero. And I don't want to see any more of them, but I'm afraid we're going to. Um, see or in fact, hear. I see or hear either <laughs> one. I just don't like anything about him. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, 
uh, was disappointed <laughs> when he showed up on screen. So when Ahsoka said she saw purple, I knew exactly where it was going. <laughs> oh, I actually didn't figure it out. I was like, purple? But maybe Mace Windu's purple lightsaber. Like, what's going on? I, like, I don't know what you're talking about. So you figured that a lot sooner than I did. I didn't I didn't figure it out till we saw him. Maybe a little before, I'm not sure. So this uh, this episode again, Drew brought up the the visions that Jedi see. Um, uh, got me thinking, especially for a while. Uh, I think this is the only time um, that that I can think of that, that a Jedi or Jedi in training seeing a vision has actually been like a good thing. Because um, there's lots of visions uh, that happen. Um, uh, Anakin sees. Uh, Padme dying, yeah. and because of this vision, becomes Vader. Um, uh, Luke sees Ben Solo being evil and, and killing people, and so he comes in there with his green lightsaber and is like, "Oops, shouldn't have done that." Uh, just creating another monster, yep. <laughs> right? Luke, you could argue, Luke in Empire sees his friends suffering uh, while he's on Dagobah. Um, and, but Yoda is not happy about that. You know, he's like, right, yeah. don't leave. Um, and so really, I think it should kind of be a rule that, Hey, if you're a Jedi and you get a vision, you ignore it. Um, or, or at least tread because, carefully around it. Don't react. To it. Uh, I guess. Um, but you know, the, uh, you kind of created Vader with one, um, I mean, that's what drove Anakin to want to cheat death. Um, was this vision of, of Padme dying. Um, and then I even thought this was going to happen here. I mean, it, at one point, uh, Ahsoka is standing over Padme's uh, bed where she's sleeping with a green lightsaber out. And I immediately thought of Luke um, mm. standing over. Of course, she was not after her. Um, but I was like, oh, no, these visions, they, they don't usually pan out uh, the way we want them to here. Um, yeah. Anyways. Just uh, where my mind went during this episode. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I think maybe it's not the greatest use of visions. But I did think um, Yoda's comments about him were, were interesting. I mentioned it before, but Yoda counsels Ahsoka when she tells him about her visions and says, look, you're not seeing the absolute future. You're seeing one possible future. Maybe you're seeing the current trajectory. But, but many things could happen between now and then that could change things. So just be careful with that vision and maybe don't overreact to it. So he kind of cautions her to, to, to be careful with it, but, but also res- gives her the ability to make a decision. And it's, it's kind of like, hey, you've got to decide what to do now. You've got this vision. You've got to decide how to handle it. Um, and, and she does handle it. And it does, in this case, lead her to being able to save Padme's life. Although I guess I guess the question is if she didn't get involved, what would have happened? Would Padme have died? Because the original vision had her attempting making an attempt on her life, but just getting shot in the arm, and that ended up actually happening. She didn't even stop that part of the vision. So I'm not even sure if she really even changed anything. She just sort of went and, and played into the vision uh, rather than actually affecting anything in a positive way, right? So. Um, she's yeah, not even then, the one who stopped the assassin. Padme is. So, like, what if Ahsoka wasn't there at all? Would things have been any different? I don't know. What were you saying, John? I was actually going to mention what you just did, that, that you oh. know, Padme saved Ahsoka in the end. Right, yeah. 
that's about all I've got to say about the the episode. I think. Let's see if I wrote anything else down here. Oh yeah, did you notice as they flew into Naboo, there were some very familiar musical themes that were coming through. That gave me some nostalgia feelings. It was the same music that I believe we hear. I think we hear a little bit of it on indoor, like at night when Luke and Le- and Leia are talking to each other. And so I'm not sure why that particular theme was chosen, but um, even though I couldn't see necessarily the direct connection between that theme and the movie, I still liked to hear it. I still thought it was a really cool, cool musical thing. And I've noticed several times in this series that the music has been been really good. Maybe not exactly like what we see in the Star Wars movies, but it has enough of it in there to really pull on the nostalgia strings for me and make me feel like they're connected. So I, 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 I would overall think that that's a, a commendation, even though I couldn't necessarily contextualize the musical themes themselves. Hearing them was enough to, you know, make me enjoy that aspect of it. And then I thought it was really cool to see Fail Organa and to see Eyepatch Man and then to see uh, even, I think we saw her, she was like younger, Mon Mothma in the background. Senator Mon Mothma, they called her. I guess I forgot Mon Mothma was a senator. senator. Um, but, but, you know, she eventually ends up being the leader or a leader of the rebellion. So kind of neat to see her. Make a make a little appearance here. I thought it was kind of nice to see Aura sing too. I mean, per- personally, I enjoyed her as a bad guy, as an antagonist. Yeah, I so. agree, absolutely. I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of her. I think she's a cool character. I I actually didn't like didn't hate Padme as much this this series of episodes. Frankly, even even that you know I didn't like the last arc, but that first episode I thought Padme's role, other than being a little bit too skilled with her pistol, she wasn't as uh, what's the word stiff to me? And I don't know if that's maybe that they're just improving their animation and their dialogue delivery and kind of figuring out how to produce these Clone Wars episodes in a more, you know, appropriate way. But but I didn't mind Padme as much in this uh, series of episodes, including this one. That's all I got to say. Anything else? I'm good. All right, Drew, let's hear it. I'm going to give it a four out of 10. Uh, it definitely contributed more. Um, like I said, it laid some great foundation groundwork for Jedi having visions, how that works, how it can work, good, bad. Um, and so I enjoyed just how they expanded upon that idea within the Star Wars franchise. Um, it wasn't great as an episode. It, it, it served its purpose for me in explaining that. But to say that it's super memorable or that I enjoyed lots of it is would be a stretch. Yeah, I'll go four as well. Uh, it was a five for most of the episode. Just kind of like whatever, take it or leave it. There were a couple things that were neat about visions. I liked I liked the interaction between Ahsoka and Yoda. Uh, I thought Ahsoka's performance was decent, you know, and how she was kind of going through her internal struggle and figuring having to figure things out. So that, all that was okay. But I wasn't just and just thrilled with it. I wasn't really enjoying myself that much. I was trying to stay awake, <laughs> trying to keep my focus on it, you know, and having to remind myself, remind myself to keep watching. Um, but, uh, but then zero showed up and bumped it from a five to a four pretty quickly. So definitely a four, not a five. Zero is pr- anytime zero appears, it's pretty much an automatic one or two point deduction for me, I think. All right. So I'm at a, uh, I'm at a four. It's crazy. We've agreed. Um, okay. On, on these episodes. 
and uh, I, I guess I'm uh, I'm not a three uh, because Aura came back, um, yep. which gives me hope that the the wreck we saw of Slave One That's right. uh, is a is not a wreck that necessarily destroyed it because obviously Slave One appears later, and uh, maybe it was just a a bump um, for her to survive that. Um, but no, it was okay. It was a take it or leave it type of thing. I didn't hate it. Um, but no real, uh, new way of thinking about anything Star Wars related because of this episode. Okay. For next week, we are going to be, you know, let me pull up the arc list here. Did we decide we're just going to do two episodes next week? It's either two or five. And I think two is probably going to be a little bit easier on us right now. <laughs> We're just going to do two episodes. And they're both one-off episodes. So we have um, part three, actually. So this is uh, its sort of an arc in and of itself, but I also think it's going to bring maybe some, it's going to have some cohesion to two previous episodes that we saw. This is what the website that we're using calls the Domino Squad Part 3. And so there were two Domino Squad episodes before. One was that that group that was in training and they kept doing horrible and not being able to work together. And then you remember 99 came in and motivated them all. The second episode was them being deployed in the field on that moon planet that was sort of a guard between them and um, between the separatists in Camino, right? And the droids invade and they have to fight them off. And, and uh, a couple of them die in that episode. Or maybe one of them dies in the first episode. I don't really remember all the details uh, as to who dies and who lives. But um, but I, I, well, I've actually seen this. So I know that this follows along that same through line. And, um, and is going to give us some more insight on those who are left from the Domino Squad. So that's cool. And then this next one, I have no idea what it's about. It's called Sphere of Influence. Okay, so that Domino Squad Part 3 is Episode 302, Season 3, Episode 2. And then the Sphere of Influence is 304. Um, have we seen 303 already? Is that Yeah, okay. So 303 was part of some other random arc at some other earlier point in the series. But we're going to 302 and then 304. And these are both standalones. And then the following week... You're going to love it that week. The Zero Trilogy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not looking forward to that. All right. So this this next week, we'll watch these two one-off episodes. And then the following week, we'll watch the, um, the three-episode arc, The Zero Trilogy. All right. So you can email us at StarWarsBrothersPodcast at gmail.com. We love to get emails. We love to read them on the show. We've only had one ever, but it was pretty cool. Uh, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us an iTunes review because it is fun to see that, that people out there are actually listening to us and, and, uh, and, and yeah, it's been a lot good to, to read a review. So, um, let's see, am I missing anything, forgetting anything else here? Yeah, I think that's it. Thanks for listening. Oh, I'm glad this is over. What makes you say something so utterly ridiculous? And with that statement right there, we just lost whatever listener we had.